All right, good morning. Welcome to the well. If you're a guest with us, my name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here. It's an honor and privilege to preach God's Word. We are continuing a sermon series, sermon series in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own a Bible, man, take this as a gift from us to you. Uh, we we want to give you a Bible. We want everyone to have one. Uh, the verses will be on the screen, but we do want uh, you know to put God's Word into his people's hands. And so to what we're doing today is we, we, or we're continuing a series in 1 Corinthians, but uh, we, we've been looking at different spiritual gifts. And so uh, today we're looking at the gift of apostleship, teaching, helps or service, administration, and evangelism. There's a lot of gifts. There's, I think, up, there's like 19 gifts total. So we, we, we cover several gifts per week over the past few weeks. Um, and so we're going to uh, uh, get right in. But before we do, before we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, what I want us to see is that the big idea in the scripture is that God created mankind in his image, in his likeness, and uh, we rebelled against him. That's what the, the essence of sin is. We rebelled against God. Mankind rebelled against God, sinned against God, worshiped other gods, other things, ran from him, and then Jesus ran uh, to us. And so that's the big story of the Bible. We ran from God, and Rod, God ran to us. And so fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus shows up to save mankind. He had a mission. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to come on a mission to seek and save the, those who were lost. That was the entire world, Jew, Gentile, every single person person needed a savior. Jesus left the throne of heaven, came to earth to seek and save his people. And so in doing so, Jesus, that was his ministry. That was his mission. That was his assignment to seek, save the lost, build a church, start a church, the kingdom of heaven, come to earth and continue. That was Jesus's mission. So he came and, and, and how he did his mission was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We got to understand this. Jesus did his, lived his life by the power of the Holy Spirit, did his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit, was guided, led by the power of the Holy Spirit to the, to the cross where he dies in our place for our sins, and to, to ultimately to redeem, to buy back, to save us who were lost. The, the, to complete the mission, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus to the cross where Jesus takes the punishment of sinners so that we then, upon faith in Jesus Christ, we get his righteousness, his, his ministry, uh, good works assigned to us. We get his credit. We get righteousness. He takes our sinful um, rebellion and he dies in our place for our sins. And through faith, we get his righteousness because he took the wrath for us. And so what happens when you put your faith in Jesus is you get adopted into the family of God. And, and one of the things about being adopted into the family of God, there's a lot of things, but one thing is you get the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, indwells in you. You are sealed. That's the stamp of approval. That's the, the sign that you are part of the family is that God, the Holy Spirit, resides in Christians. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't just seal us for redemption, but he also includes us in the family mission. The family mission, the same mission that Jesus began, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do his life and mission. God gives us the same mission, the same mission, to continue that mission. And what do we need? The Holy Spirit. We need to live lives individually by the power of the Holy Spirit, but we also need the Holy Spirit's gifts which we've been looking at. The gifts of the Spirit, which we have been looking at, are given to God's people to continue the mission that Jesus began to, to, to reach, seek, save the lost, but then also edify, build up the church. And so we're going to look at those things today, uh, particularly on both sides of, uh, of those things today. And so we'll pick up in verse 27 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And so uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, there's going to be a few gifts we name. I'm then going to jump over to Ephesians, hit up a, a few other verses so that we can include more all, the, all the, the gifts in the New Testament. But 
What I want to see here is now that you are the body of Christ, we talked about this last week, that we are one team, we are the body of Christ. If you're a Christian, you've been saved on the team Jesus, and if you're a part of this church, you're, you're a member uh, of this church. We're, we're one body here. Uh, we're, we're one body, and we need one another individually. We, we're one body with individual different members, just like I have two hands, two feet, one head. Like we need, we need multiple members, body parts to continue the mission that Jesus gave us. And he says, here's how God has appointed the church in, in verse 28. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Now, we're going to, uh, we've talked about some of these gifts we've, uh, already. We're saving the, the gifts of tongues and prophecy for later down the line when we get to chapter 14. Paul's going to talk extensively, he dedicates a whole chapter to this, so we're going to talk about those when we get there. But today, what we're in here, we're going to look at the gift of apostleship, teachers, helping, and administrating, four of these gifts that we see here in 1 Corinthians 12, and then we're going to look at one gift that we find in uh, Ephesians 4. But before we get to Ephesians 4, let me continue. Are, are all are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? The answer is no. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? The big, big answer here is like, no, we, we, we were one body with many members. Does the body have these gifts? Absolutely. But does everyone have the same gifts? Absolutely not. And you may have some of the same gifts. Some people might have, have, we might have multiple gifts represented in a church. But the point is, is that just as, as you might have uh, two feet, two hands, you, you, you have one nose, uh, but two nostrils. So, uh, you know, I don't, it, it, nostrils not a body part. It's just a function of the nose. So just saying, like, it, there's one nose. And so some of us might be a nose. Some of us might be the hands and feet. Who knows uh, how, how God is, <laughs> get it? <laughs> this is how you know the spirit works because, you know, I don't know. Um, he, he gives the body different members, different parts, different gifts. We've talked about that extensively in, in previous sermons. The big idea is a reminder here that not everyone has the same gift, and that's okay. But he says here in verse 31, but earnestly desire higher gifts. So real quick, some gifts, uh, he, he does rank them. I need us to see this. He, he, there is some degree of rank and order uh, that, that, in, in, that Paul is, is speaking to here because he says first, second, third. He, he, he's giving rank and order. But I want you to see the rank and order tend to be the gifts that are more prominent in public. Um, and so he's ranking these not necessarily in value. Uh, he's not necessarily ranking them in uh, 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 whoever has these gifts or better than anyone. He's, he's, he's talking about how things work. So the apostles, we're getting to in a moment, they start things. Uh, the prophets preach things. The teachers uh, uh, come alongside and make sure things, the sound doctrine happens. Miracles are happening, healing. They need the help, the ministration. You need the other gifts to come support. There, so there's prominent gifts and there's more support roles. There's more leadership giftings and there's more uh, 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 equally as important but less visible support roles. So that's what he's talking about here when it comes to uh, uh, the, this rank, what he is talking about here in, in, in the gifts. But in verse 31, this is a highly disputed verse, uh, and, and many people will uh, dispute this verse or argue over it. Uh, but he says this, but earnestly desire higher gifts. First, let me say this. He is saying something. He's not saying nothing. So whatever the dispute is, he's saying to do something. And he's saying to earnestly desire something. The question is, maybe people disagree on what the, the higher gifts are, but the point is he is not saying be neutral. He's saying that, hey, every person in here should desire other gifts. 
than you have. Like, it's okay to want other gifts. It's not okay to envy other get people. It's not okay to slander other people. It's not okay to, 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 to have a malice in your heart to God or to others because you don't have certain gifts. But say, hey, it's okay to want some gifts, some other gifts. God's a good father, and we're his children, and he loves us. And so far too often we think as Christians that if I desire a gift, then I'm, I'm somehow saying that, that, that uh, God didn't, I, I don't like the way God made me. I mean, you could be, but don't do that. But say, I, I want another gift. I want this particular gift. Would you give it to me? And be okay if he says yes. Be okay if he says no. That's what he's saying. So part of it is implying here that, that, that Christians should desire additional spiritual gifts. It's okay to desire different spiritual gifts. We, we'll see it in chapter 14 where he talks again about desiring uh, other gifts uh, and twice in chapter 14. And also we see this in, in James 1.5. If, you, if you're lacking the gift of wisdom, you should pray and ask God for wisdom. He gives it. Like We, we see these, the, these throughout the scripture. But the higher gifts mean uh, it's something more to do with what builds up the church of God. We see this articulated in chapter 14 with tongues that, that if there's not an interpreter, it doesn't build up or edify the body. We'll see next chapter, chapter 13, the more excellent way than, than even ha- desiring the higher gifts is to use all your gifts with love. Uh, if you don't use your gifts with love, uh, that, that, then then then. Paul's appeal to us later in the very next chapter, the very next verse, is to use these gifts with love, actually. And so that's even more excellent than desiring the higher gifts. I want us to see this. There's a more excellent way than to even desiring other gifts is to desire to use your gifts with love. Because this is what he's saying here. It's okay to desire other gifts. It's okay to want another gift. But it's not okay to envy someone else who has another gift or wish God would take that gift from them, give it to you. Or, or, or maybe uh, your gift is a, a one-talent gift and someone else is a three- or five-talent gift. It's not okay with you with the one-talent gift to bury your gift and not use your gift. There's different capacities for that. We're going to see that explained throughout some of these gifts we talk about today. Ephesians 4, let's get to that, uh, 11 and thir- through 13 gives us, re- reiterates some of the same gifts that we just mentioned, but also uh, adds s- some that we will we'll mention today and then next week. And so he says this, uh, then he gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, uh, and, and so some will believe that this shepherd teacher is one gift. We're going to talk about teaching today. We'll talk about the idea of shepherding next week. Uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. This is the big idea. The big goal is that we've been given these gifts to do the mission, the ministry. He's been, the church has been given these gifts for the, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain unity in faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of uh, stature of the fullness of Christ. To be like Jesus, the goal of the gifts to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen the church, to unite us to Jesus, to, to make us more mature in our faith, looking, acting, thinking, sounding, living like Jesus. This, this echoes the Great Commission where Jesus tells us that we are to uh, teach one another to observe or obey all that Christ commands. The gifts are given to the body to, to fulfill the mission. This is the goal of the spiritual gifts. The, it, we are gifted for the mission. And so let's look at the gift of apostleship first. Spend some time on that. Now, when you get to the gift of apostleship, the first thing we have to, we have to clarify is the difference between the gift of the apostle and the uh, uh, office of apostleship. 
Those are, those, are, those are two different things. Um, and, and I will say this, that uh, the gift of apostle, a lot of times people get this confused. The, the reason, because some guys have the gift of apostleship and are New Testament apostles, like, like Paul, Peter. Like they are, they're actual uh, office holders of the apostles, of, of, of apostle, but then they also have the gift of apostleship. I'm going to explain what they are, but the, first let me talk about the office. The office of apostle is, uh, this, was, this was the 12, the 12. Judas did his thing, and so they had to get another guy. Like, that's what it was. There was 12. This was a set number. Like, the 12 disciples were like the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the, 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 the office of, of, of apostle, what we see, what distinguishes one from the office of apostle is that they had to be hand-selected by Jesus himself and eyewitnesses to the life and ministry and the resurrection of Jesus this is why the, the, the office of apostle in the same manner uh, doesn't uh, exist still to this day because none of us were, were able to be eyewitnesses to Jesus. Now, we believe in the gift, and I'm going to talk about that here in a moment, but what we're talking about the office of apostle like the apostle Paul who's writing the books of the Bible or like the 12, the 12. They, they were able to, not only did they uh, get to see the resurrected Jesus, but um, their ministry is accompanied by various signs and wonders authenticating their apostles. And so apostles like this uh, don't exist in the same way today. Like we don't write new books of the Bible. But here's where people get confused because I said that. And so you'll be like, okay, we must understand that the apostle Paul had both the office and the gift. And you see also the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles, some of them didn't have the gift of apostleship. No one, I don't ever hear anyone talking about that. Not every one of them went and started churches. Not every one of them wrote books of the Bible. They didn't. They were apostles. They had the office of an apostle, but they may not have had the gifting of an apostle. So what is the gift of apostles? So there, the, what is the gift of apostleship? A, apostolic ministry uh, literally means, the, uh, the word apostle literally means is one who is sent. Literally is what the word means. So there's a difference between right here in our text, lowercase a apostle and capital A office apostle. Capital A office apostle are like the 12. And then you have uh, lowercase apostle, those who have the, this, this specific ministry assignment, they have been sent. So we get the term like missionary. In, in a very real way, those who are sent overseas as, quote, missionaries are doing, you could, one way we could, we could say that's, a, that's a apostolic, They're, that's apostle-type ministry, it, to be sent overseas to do mission. To, what, what happens when you go overseas as a missionary? You're, you, you start new things, usually from scratch. You're like, I'm going over here to this country to start a new ministry, a new church, a new, a new orphanage. I'm starting something New. It's, they're sent, it's a sent mission by someone who God has called to a particular specific task in a very real way. Uh, that, that, is a, that is a gift that has been given. Now, additionally, it is very true that all Christians are sent in some way. I need us to hear this. I'm not, I'm not trying to confuse this. I'm not trying to, uh, but I'm trying to bring clarity here. All Christians are in some sense missionaries too in that you have been sent by God and placed where you live, work, and play by God. So yes, it's true. You are a sent one, a, a chosen sent vessel of the Lord Jesus to, to reflect Jesus' nature where you live, work, and play. Be a Christian where you live, work, and play. You're sent to, to do that. And by God's grace, people would come to know Jesus through that. That is different 
than the gift of, uh, of apostleship or the sending of, a, of an apostle. What that is is when a, a person is sent by God to start new things for the sake of the gospel. This is church planting. This is starting new ministries. This is uh, beginning a Bible study that doesn't exist, starting it from scratch, sustaining it, growing it, and then, and then by God's grace connecting it to uh, his greater mission, the local church, to continue what he's beginning. This is the, 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 the startup entrepreneurial type gifting. What I mean is in the spiritual sense, not everyone who's an entrepreneur is an apostle. That's not what we're saying. It's that God calls certain people to start certain things for his name's sake and his glory. That's what this is. This is what this gift is. And so the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter not only were apostles in the sense that they, they, they were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus, but they were also uh, had this gift of apostleship. They started different things. Paul was first, he, he went to start churches to the Jews. He said, you know, God redirected him to the Gentiles. Peter spent most of his time doing ministry to the Jews. That's what was going on. The, the, some of the other disciples joined along the way, but then you have guys like Apollos that, that were not a part of the uh, uh, 12 apostles that did apostolic ministry. So did Timothy. So did other guys come alongside the apostolic ministry of the apostle Paul and help start and, and, and restart new ministries. That's what the gift of apostleship is. It's the, it's the, the, the sending by God to start new gospel work. And so what this is, 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 uh, is it, someone with this gift has the ability by God to minister to cross-cultural uh, context. Sometimes that looks like overseas. Sometimes it looks like down the block. Like, but you, it, it's the ability to understand different cultures and different contexts and speak the gospel in a contextual way into that context in order to start new things that, that, don't, that are not just carbon copies of another thing. See, a lot of times when we think of, just because a lot of, in our world today right now, we tend to do a lot of like just copy and paste. Uh, it's, AI is like the worst, right? You know, it, it really is. Like it's not authentic apostleship at all. It's just, it's just copy and paste. The one, it does not have the gift of apostleship. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit gives people the ability to understand and, and learn different cultures and subcultures and, and go into those contexts, share the gospel, start new works that, that look like, feel like that context, but but are true and held to the biblical gospel. So you get things like church plantings, the ability to church plant, to start new, new works. Additionally, someone with this gift has the ability to uh, uh, be called by God to raise up pastors and other pastors and leaders, perhaps lead networks of people. Uh, the, that's one of the things the Apostle Paul later did after he started churches is he, he put different pastors in position and then he pastored the pastors. And so th these things still happen to this day. The gift of apostleship still continues. And so what, what I want us to see with all of these gifts, however, is that they all point back to Jesus. They all point back to Jesus. If we miss this point, we miss all the gifts. And this is why I'll go along in the sermon is because I'm going to make sure, make a point to make sure they all go back to Jesus. It's been an extra few minutes there and we'll, get a, we'll, get, we'll go to our, our next place a little late. But because we get Jesus. In Hebrews 3, it says that he is our great apostle. We're told that Jesus is our great apostle. See, all these gifts point to Jesus. Jesus embodied and, and, and used and filled all the gifts, the spiritual gifts. He, he is the epitome of the perfect man. We are uh, uh, together reflecting his image. And so Jesus was the great, is our great apostle. Jesus is also the one who commissions and sends people to plant churches. He's over the churches. He, he's the sender of, of church planting. He's the one who created it. It's his idea. 
Moreover, Jesus is a pastor to pastor. He is truly the lead pastor of every church. And so we all do our work here under the banner in the name of Jesus. And so the, we, we see that there are, however, some of you, you've heard, the, you hear the word apostle and you hear, you, you, maybe you've been in a, a situation or experience or your background where, where this term was just used so much that you have a negative taste in your mouth. You're like, man, the last place I was at or a few places I was at, everyone just said they were an apostle. And like the guy would roll up in, he said, I'm an apostle. He'd roll up in, uh, Apostle John, uh, but not from the Bible, you know, Juan, you know, he, he would show up and he would, uh, he would preach and he said, after the service, you know, we had roll out all of our money and give it to him to fund his, his jet ministry. And, you know, we just, we just struggle with this apostleship because it seems like these guys roll up into town and they say, you got to listen to me like you got to listen to the New Testament. And people have bad taste in their mouth. And, 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 I, and I agree that, that, that there's false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, cult leaders who misuse this term. And they will then take the, the authority of the office of the New Testament and put it on themselves like they are the resurrected Apostle Paul and command the people to do the things that do things that maybe contradict the word of God. That's called a false prophet, false teacher, false apostle. Those exist. We can't believe in the gift of apostleship or in, in this agree with the, the, the uh, false apostleship. And therefore also, we can't say, oh, I agree that there's false apostles, but we also got to agree there's real ones. Like God has, has given people this gift. And so this is why the body needs discernment, which is one of the spiritual gifts, to figure out which one's which. If anyone comes into a town, the apostle Paul says, and preaches the gospel other than the one he has, he has said, he t- tells the, the Galatians that he should be accursed or cut off or, or condemned. It's the, 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 uh, the, the Christian way of saying he should go to hell. Like, that's, how, that's what it means. Like, that's what it means. And so there's a difference between the office of an apostle that carries the authority of the Scriptures in the sense that, the, like, the apostles of the New Testament, some of them wrote books of the Bible, officers of the, of the New Testament church as apostles, and then there's others who have the gift of apostleship who start new ministries. I spent double the amount of time I was supposed to on this one, and I'm not done. Do you have the gift? I just feel like this one needs a lot of clarification. Do you have the gift of apostles, apostleship? Are you effective in uh, ministering cross-culture? Like you just like, you see other cultures, you're able to, to quickly engage with cro- cross-culture. You're, you're, so, you're kind of like a social chameleon. You're able to engage in many cultures. Uh, you, you, do you have a desire to plant churches? Do you, have you started things? Here's one of the key things. That people are like, I think I have the gift of apostleship. I always ask, have you started something? Like, no, but I would like the idea of it. You might like the idea of being an apostle. You might not have the gift because it kind of tends to function together. If you got the gift, it kind of just starts happening. Uh, have you started things? Have you started ministries? Have you started groups? Have you started uh, organizations? And, and then not just started them, have they bore fruit? So a lot of people can start something, but not a lot of people can sustain it. Those with the gift of apostleship tend to start things and help sustain things, hand things off to other people so they, they can continue to continue to bear fruit and grow. Um, and so if you think you have this gift, uh, one, way, one of the ways that you can grow this gift is, uh, I would have a lot to say uh, to this, but uh, a few things I would say if you want to grow in this gift is you must be under authority. You really do. You need to submit to spiritual leadership, be vetted, listen to advice of, of those over you. Uh, I've seen so many people jump the gun too soon. They don't, they don't submit themselves to any mentorship or, or apprenticeship at all, and they're like, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got this gift. I'm going to just go do it. 
those with the gift of apostleship are going to be, t- or tend to do that. Like, that's like, they're like, like we got to start something. We got to get going. Like, Jesus is going to come back or we're going to not make it till then. Like, we got to go now, today, now. We're starting the ministry to now. It actually already started in my mind. I'm already there. We're three weeks in. Like, that's the guy or girl with the, the gift of uh, uh, apostleship. They, 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 they just want to start now. I would just urge you to be, uh, take time, seasons to submit and be under authority. Let that gift be cultivated, developed. Don't jump the gun too soon. Um, no one I've ever met said, I wish I would have started sooner. Everyone's like, hey, I wish we would have held back. Um, be faithful. Second thing, be faithful where you're at. Start helping. If you can have the gift of starting things, help start new things in your local context. Help start things around the church. Start ministries under the care and covering of the local church. And, and then help learn and grow and use your gifts in the context of the church. And then it, it, here's the deal. A lot of people don't want to do that because they're like, well, I have these gifts to start my church, my ministry, do my thing. So I'm not going to do it in my local context. I'm going to wait to start doing it when I get called to go do my mission. That's selfish. Selfishness will kill your gift. and also will disqualify you from your gift and also will not allow you to ever use your gift. It's just, there's a Greek word. I think it's called stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be faithful where you're at. Also, there's a, a guard your doctrine well. This is important, especially if you're starting new things. And guard your doctrine well. People will listen to you. So it's really important that you're like, why does everyone listen to what I'm saying? Because you have this gifting. You need to guard your heart and your doctrine well, like, or you'll be a false apostle. And then lastly, I'll say work on your marriage if you're married, because uh, the first attack, the enemy, uh, the first demonic attack we see in the scripture was on Adam and Eve after they were married and had a call in their life. So that's really important. It's really important. Work on your marriage before you work on your ministry. Um, number two, teaching, the gift of teaching. A skill to just talk a lot, and oh, I'm just kidding, that's not what it is. Uh, uh, the, the, the gift of teaching is the, the ability to u- be used by God to effectively communicate His Word uh, in a way that other people understand and can grow spiritually. So key words here is that it's communicating effectively and where people can understand. Um, and so teaching is, can be a natural talent. This is one time, sometimes uh, people have the natural gift of communication or teaching, and then they also get the spiritual gift of teaching, and so it's like double effective. Some people don't have any gift of teaching, get saved, the Holy Spirit gives them the gift of teaching. I want you to see that. So sometimes you're like, man, there's, this, it, it, there's a guy down the street, and he was a really good teacher, and then he got saved, and now he's continuing to teach awesome. Maybe God united those gifts together. But just because you were a good teacher prior to uh, uh, coming to faith in Jesus doesn't mean you have to be a Bible teacher. It doesn't mean you necessarily have that gift. And so what this is, is a gift given by God, the Holy Spirit, to teach in a, su- in a supernatural way to help people understand the Bible, how it's about Jesus, and, and, what, uh, and it requires the work of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. You can go up and read the Bible and talk to people and teach it, and you're like, they don't understand anything I'm saying. It might be because you don't have the gift. It's okay. It, that's okay. You're like, well, I like teaching it, but people, ne- people walk away going and saying, man, this is way over my head. Then, then you might not uh, have, have, have the gift of teaching, and or it might not be cultivated well. Because the gift of teaching is not just the ability to talk about information, that, about, about God's word. We're ta- that was the gift of knowledge, which we already talked about. The gift of teaching is taking that knowledge, which you know, and in, in, in able to teach others in a way that they can then retain it, understand it, and go, ah, oh, this makes sense to me. This was helpful for me. That, that, that verse, that chapter that was confusing is no longer confusing to me. 
I need you to see that's a gift of God to do that and impart to his people. It's a gift of teaching. Now, um, the gift of people that have the gift of teaching, um, they tend to like uh, research. They t- tend, they're, they're a lot like the, those with the gift of knowledge. They love learning, um, but they also want to really, they really want to not just learn, but they really want to communicate it. They really want to communicate or illustrate whatever truth that, that they are seeing in the scripture. So oftentimes they're, they're reading God's word. And, Man, I really want to teach someone this. I really hope, I wish people would knew this. And, and maybe they're, they're even like, Man, I already have an outline of how I would teach this. Like, I really want people to know this. Sometimes you have guys like this in your community group of girls and they're like, I got, I'm taking a bunch of notes. Here's what I was studying. Like, hey, let me give it to you to, 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 to help you in your study. Those are usually folks with the gift of teaching. Now, typically when it comes to teaching, most of us view teaching as only uh, one thing, uh, a public uh, teaching like we're doing now, like preaching or teaching. Sometimes that's the only way we see teaching. That's not what the the Bible is saying, is that uh, teaching is not necessarily preaching or classroom setting, like, you know, wherever you went to school. But uh, sometimes it's one-on-one. The gift of teaching can can function one-on-one. Sometimes it can be formal. Sometimes it's informal. Sometimes small groups. Sometimes it's larger groups. Sometimes it is preaching is a form of teaching, but not uh, only teaching. And so I need us to see that if some of you are like, man, I would never, I I don't have the gift of teaching because I would never want to preach. That's okay. That's not, not necessarily doesn't mean you don't have the gift of teaching. I'll also say this, both men and women have all the gifts. Uh, I, I want you to see this, that, that, that both men and women have, can have the gift of teaching. Some get real offended by that. You're like, no, wait, what? I thought eldership, office of men. I'm not talking about offices. And this is the problem when it comes to gifts, that everyone always immediately goes to office instead of gift. How do you spell office and how do you spell gift? Totally different. They're different words. Like, I don't, I don't know why we have to explain this, but we do. Like, there's a gift and there's an office. There's a title and a gift, a function, a gifting. So let's not get real confused about it. Let's use our, our brains and, and just understand it for a little moment that there's different gifts, one of those gifts being teaching, and that both men and women have the gift of teaching. With this, both men and women, we see this with ministry couples in the New Testament. We see a Priscilla and Aquila, a, a, a Christian couple, they both had the gift of teaching, and they taught this man named Apollos, who became a better preacher than the Apostle Paul. We see in, in 1 Corinthians earlier that some of the Corinthians were like, we like Apollos better than Paul. His preaching's better than Paul. Where did Apollos learn? From, from, from both a man and a woman. They, they, they taught him. They taught him. And I want you to see some, some couples have this, this gift where both of them have the gift of teaching. They're in, the, they're in here now, so I'm just going to call them out, like Pastor Jonathan and, and Becca. They both have gifts of teaching. They do. You're like, do they? Like, if you're in their community group, you, you're not even questioning this. But, like, they do. It, it, but there's, they, they function differently, just like the gift functions differently within an individual. So within the gift of teaching, there's different degrees of effectiveness, and so here's the problem that we'll do is if, we, if we, we, we compare our gift to other people who have the same gift, what we do is we may not fully understand, we, we may doubt the fact that we have a gift. So if it's like everyone who has the gift of teaching is looking at Billy Graham and going, well, I talk like no one shows up compared to him. That, that's, that's his effectiveness might be, a, he might be a five talent effectiveness in his, in his teaching gift. And just because you have one or two people in your community group that you're teaching uh, or in your discipleship group doesn't mean you don't have the gift of teaching. There may be different degrees of effectiveness. Uh, Some people are are, are small group teachers. Some are larger group teachers. So there's different degrees here. Now, it is, however, required of the office of an elder 
that they must be able to teach. That's why I think people get it confused, because the office of elder does require that the elders have the ability to teach. doesn't mean they teach all the time, uh, but they, they, they're required to have it, whereas deacons are not required to have it. Jesus, how does this point back, us back to Jesus? Well, he's literally was called a rabbi. You know what that word means? Teacher. Like, it's real easy layup. They all walked around and said, teacher, teach. Like, everyone knew Jesus was a teacher. He taught. He taught large groups, small groups. He, he taught men. He taught women. He taught children. He taught uh, uh, religious leaders. He taught uh, those who were rebellious, those who knew, knew the God of the Old Testament, those who didn't know. He was just a teacher of all people. Sinners, tax collectors, everything. Do you have this gift of teaching? Do you love communicating, teaching the Bible, studying the Bible? You want to help others learn the Bible? Do you get excited when someone asks you to, to help them learn the scriptures? You're like, yes, tomorrow I'll be there. And you're like, you're ready. You're just eager. You're hungry. You're excited. You really, really, really want to help people know God in his word. You might have the gift of teaching. Do you like teaching uh, one-on-one? Do you like teaching informally or formally? How do you like to teach? Do, you, do, you, do others say when you help them or when you teach the Bible, you're like, man, they find that helpful. Like, hey, that was really helpful. Or when you, you share with them, they're like, hey, man, I know you know a lot of stuff, but you always confuse me. That's a sign. <laughs> it's, a, it's okay, but just you may not have the gift of teaching. If you do have it or you think you might have it, ways that you can grow in this is my favorite. And it's the same thing I, I said when, about the gift of knowledge is that you should teach kids. If you have them, teach your own kids. Start with, with kids or, those who, are, or those who are younger than you. Start with those who are younger than you. Teach younger individuals. Uh, submit to spiritual leadership as well. Accountability. Be, in a, be accountable uh, so that you can guard they, the elders and those over you can go, help you guard your doctrine as well. Uh, so you don't become a false teacher. Number three, uh, the gift of helps or service. This is uh, kind of like two gifts. I'm going to blur them into one because they're so similar. These are behind-the-scenes gifts. These are not public gifts like we just saw the apostleship in teaching, big, public, everyone kind of knows these people, gifts. Gifts of help and service are people that are running, actually making everything work that no one knows. I thought about it this way. Have you ever, uh, many of you, we, we look, look at different teams, whether it be a sports team, and everyone knows the head coach, usually, and the star player, and Taylor Swift. Like, that's the ones we know, right? Uh, like, those are the, that's how we know a sports team is legit. Uh, that's the, that's the, the, the worldly stamp of approval uh, there. Uh, and so what we, we see is that uh, there, we know a few key people. But no one knows the back end of, of, of the organization. No one knows their name. No one knows, like, the be- like I shouldn't say no one, but most people really don't know, like, the, the NFL's best offensive line coach. Like, no one really knows his name. Like, no one, no one knows his name except for the guys who he coaches. And then, like, that's it. But there are people behind the scenes, like, running the show, making things happen, and, and, and a few people get credit for it. Those with the gift of helps and service, you are a great service to the team. We need you. The church needs you. No one else will know your name. Hopefully someone will, will, will encourage you, tell you you're doing a good job. But oftentimes you're doing so good at your job that no one even knows that you're doing it because he just is always done. Those are the people with the gift of helps. And if that's you and you have this gift and you f- never feel appreciated and you feel always overlooked, just know that God, 
sees you, he loves you, he, you're not overlooked, and he will reward you. There's a day coming in, in his presence, fullness of joy forever, where you will get a reward, do your labor and service to King Jesus. Even if it's just a gift of water, we, Jesus says to his, uh, one of his disciples, there will be a great reward for you. He says cold water, I think, because he's thinking of Texas, and so lukewarm, it gets spit out. I'm just kidding. Uh, just... Just you are really good at working behind the scenes, and I want you to know you're appreciated even if many people don't see you. But so someone with this gift has the, has the ability to, to really play a support role. They're support role members. They, they, they serve the church, it, it, allowing other people, particularly other leaders, to be free to do certain ministry. Um, they have the, uh, they, they're able to also, they have the gift. This gift enables them to identify certain needs that no one else sees uh in using resources to get that job done they're really the literally the word help it helps is in service are two terms used in the scripture to refer to god god the holy spirit is often referred to as a helper and then jesus says he did not come to uh be served but to serve he's a servant so if you, if you have these behind-the-scenes gifts, I want you to know that, man, you really do get to be Jesus to the watching world or to the world that doesn't see you uh, serving behind the scenes. You really are like Jesus in that way. You really, 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 really are. You really are. And so you like to work with your hands. You like to get the job done. You get to work behind the scenes. You're, you're the type of person where they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And you're like, what needs to be done? And you're like... Well, we haven't finished explaining everything yet. You're like, I don't care. What needs to be done? I, I, I want to do it. I want to do it. I don't care what it is. Let me get in the game. I want to be in the game. I want to do it. That's the type of spirit that those with this gift have. They just want to play a part. I don't care what I do. Just I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. So they usually have an attitude of, of humility. And so if you're like, I never want to help, you don't have the gift. You might pray about getting this one and a new heart, uh, but hey, you, you, if you're like, hey, they always tell us here's what we need a lot of help, and you're like, yeah, I never want to do that. You don't have the gift, but you should pray about it. Uh, I'm just saying, like, we need help, and, and God gets people to help or serve the church. Usually those who have this gift do so joyfully. They're, like, happy to do it. They want to. And you're like, why in the world are you happy to do some of these things? And like, I got a gift. Next time someone tells you, if you have this gift, and you're like, why are you so happy to serve in these behind-the-scenes ways? Like, no one gives you credit. You're like, yeah, I know. I get to be like the Holy Spirit, play the background, kind of like John the Baptist too. We get to do this work. Jesus gets the glory. It's awesome. It's awesome. These folks literally reflect Jesus in that way. You see, you see this in terms of like the New Testament deacons, literally the office of a deacon. It means servant. Uh, we see this in, in Romans 16, guy, uh, guys and gals like Phoebe, uh, Priscilla, Aquila, these many other people are mentioned, John Mark, as servants of the church. And so is this you? Do you love helping? Do you love playing a, 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 a supportive role? Do you love to hear someone, uh, ha someone who has a need and you're like, your first instinct is, I want to help. I want to help. I want to serve. You hear the mic going out and you're like, I want to help get him a new mic. <laughs> See, Alex has the gift of uh, service. He's a servant. He's a helper. He is. He really does play behind the scenes, so I had to make it public. Uh, so how can you grow in this gift if you have it? You, can prayer, uh, you should prayerfully consider what God wants you to do. See, many people who have this gift, they, uh, they tend to do everything or do too much and get burned out. Like, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help. So my advice to you, if you are a, a person who helps service gifts, start praying 
that God would make it clear what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Because he can do that. Just because you think he needs you to do everything doesn't mean he wants you to do everything. In fact, he doesn't want you to do everything. He wants to do everything. He wants to serve you. He's the true servant, the true helper. So I'm not saying do nothing. I'm just saying pray about what, what is it that God wants you to do. You may be prone to overdo it, overwork, or to, to do stuff in such a way that you don't allow other people to play a part. Um, number two on how you can grow in this is, is uh, allow others to serve you. I know this is really hard. If you have this gift, you're like, I always want to serve. I don't like to be served. So like, no, no, don't ever help me out. Don't clean my house. Don't fix my, you know, whatever. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't. If you have this gift, man, allow others to serve you. Why? One, to prove that you're not Jesus. Number two, so you can observe and know what it's like to receive uh, and, and know what it's like to, to, to bless other people by receiving that yourself. You can grow spiritually that way as well. Number three on how you can grow is that try to do what you do well. Try to be the best at it. Uh, sometimes people who just want to help, it's just like, they're like, boom, 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 helping, 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 like doing almost everything, but nothing to completion. Help to the end. Think about, think about helping. Uh, how can you do what you do? Maybe do less things, but, but, but the things you do, do them well to, with excellence to the glory of God. That's a way you can grow in those departments. Next is the gift of administration. Um, this is the ability, if you've ever seen my office, you know I don't have this. Um, I, I, I don't. You see my car, I don't have this. Uh, so I'm going to just read some stuff about what I th- I've heard it's like. Uh, the ability to steer the church or a ministry towards uh, successful completion of, of God-given goals. These are the skills of planning, the skills of organization, the skills of supervision. Like I can organize a little bit, but not a lot of it. Um, and so uh, I actually asked Pastor Alex, who has this gift, like, hey, what should I say? Like, I don't even know. Like, what, it, what I just think that you should, those with the gift of administration just all of a sudden know what they're doing. They just start doing it. And they kind of do. Like, they're the declutterers. Like, one time, uh, uh, no, I'm, no lie, like, Pastor Alex loves me and our church so much that he asked me if he could organize my emails. And I'm like, what is this? Are you a psycho? Like, I love you, but, like, why? Like, it's, it's a mess, Al. Like, yeah, what's the problem? That's how you know you have the gift of organization or administration. You're like, hey, I want to fix things. I'm look, look around going, you know, everyone who, like, you walk into a room and you see things are disorderly, and you're like, I want to help. I want to organize. I want to uh, use my gift of OCD. Like, I want to use it. Spreadsheets are awesome. Office supplies are awesome. You, like, like that office supply store still exists, so you can do Amazon and walk into the store and just look around. Nice printer. I wonder what the ink cartridge is, how long those last. Like, who thinks of this stuff? Those with the gift of administration. I'm just quoting things I've heard with people who have this gift, and I'm over here going, I guess this means that I don't have it. I just don't have it. Um, I, I really don't. So uh, the, the, those with the gift of administration keep people organized, on task. Um, it's a huge, huge, huge gift to the church. The question I've had, I was like, well, was Jesus organized? He was. <laughs> he took 12 clowns and made them like apostles like he was really organized these guys are all over the place politically spiritually emotionally they were a mess jesus organized these people additionally he appointed uh 70 and then uh, 120 like they're all meeting waiting for him his orders to give a spirit so they can go out and do the ministry uh, uh jesus was organized he also organized them two by two sent them out on mission he like had plans he he, he appointed uh his closest leaders he had a special group peter uh, james and john they got together for a certain leader 
leadership training. Um, he was organized. He gave out job descriptions, even to Judas, got a job description. He just, uh, Jesus was gifted. He would organize his ministry as well. But some of the other folks in the scriptures, you see guys like Joseph in the, in the, in the Old Testament who organized the entire nation of Egypt. Like, he, he had a massive gift there. Additionally, you see in, like, Titus 1, Paul sends Titus to the churches to do, quote, that you might put what remained into order. Like, those with this gift cannot wait till we get to 1 Corinthians 14, 40, that says that all things should be done in decent and orderly fashion. They're like, I can't wait to get there because, like, that's my verse. That's my life verse. Do you have the gift of administration? Do you like steering people towards a goal? Do you like organizing? Do you like playing the background? Do you like emails? Do you like organizing emails, spreadsheets, task management tools, different apps to help you stay organized? Like if that's you, you might have this gift um, and you should use it. Does it bring you joy when things are, are more organized in the world that you operate and you love helping others do that too? Man, you're a gift. We need you. Here's how you can grow. Stop being mad that no one else is like you. We just aren't. Just ask how you can help us, but we don't have this gift. Uh, and so this is what I had to do. I said, hey, Pastor Alex, how do, what would you even say? How do people grow in this gift other than, like, go do it? That's, that's me. Like, you got to do it. Like, that's it. He, said, he, he responded, and I thought it was awesome. And I'm going to quote him because it was awesome. He's responded in an organized fashion. He's like, pray, plan, practice. Like, really? Your letters are organized? Like, wow, so pray, guys, pray first, pray, ask God to give you wisdom. Like James says, ask God, to, who's the giver of gifts, to help grow your gifts. So if you think you have it, start praying about it. I'm like, that's a great way to start. Uh, planning, make plans, you, you, you're, or you're organized. Uh, so uh, find folks that maybe have gifts of, of administration as well. Learn from them, build plans. How can you find people to help and, and, and work with them? And then practice. Uh, implement the things that you're learning. Make small adjustments along the way. He also referenced the entire uh, sermon series on ancient paths, looking at spiritual disciplines. He's like, yeah, people with, with administration might like to be disciplined and practice things. Practice godliness. I'm like, man, he's got the gift. That's what you should do, guys. You should do those things if you have that gift. I'm running out of time, but so we'll get to evangelism. This is the last one. Gift of evangelism. This is the ability to successfully communicate the message of the gospel to non-believers. Everyone in here should want non-Christians to be safe. Every single Christian should go, I want non-Christians to be safe. Those with the gift of evangelism not just want non-Christians to get saved, they tend to have a higher conversion rate than most people. If you've never met someone with this gift, then uh, you're missing out because they, they're the type of people you're like, how did you, you explain that? And that seems like you lift, mess some things out. And, and all of a sudden they got saved. You're like, that's because it's a gift. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Like the success, there is an ability of the evangelist to see people saved. It's not, it's a supernatural gift. God gives it and some people get saved more frequently by the evangelist. So that's why they get really excited about going to share the gospel. And sometimes the evangelist thinks everyone should do what they're doing. They shouldn't. Not all are evangelists. Should everyone share the gospel? Yes. But the people with the gift of evangelism are going to see higher conversion rates than most people. And so these are also the people who love non-Christians, and, and non-Christians are not weirded out by them. And usually they're just like, they can go in and hang around non-Christians, and they can answer their questions, 
and, and then they don't look like a weirdo. They're like, hey, non- they, 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 can, they can understand what's going on. They can apply the gospel in those contexts. Um, uh, some, people, some people just don't like, some Christians just don't like Christians, so they think they're evangelists. Like, I'm just love being around lost people. If you don't like Christians and you love lost people, you might not be a Christian. I'm just saying this. You, you, you might not. You might not have the gift of evangelism. You might have no gifts. You just need Jesus. But I will say this. Those who do have the gift of evangelism do find their way to be able to contextualize and, and hang around and be around non-Christians to share the gospel to them. Um, uh, additionally, some people are, are really headstrong about evangelism, and that's an awesome thing, but they may not have the gift of evangelism. doesn't mean they shouldn't evangelize. I'm just saying that the one way to, to discern whether you have the gift or not is, is do you have the ability to contextualize? Do you have the, the, the ability to uh, have um, conversions? Um, conversations that really do lead to next steps, that when people get saved, they get connected to the church. Like, do you see fruit in this ministry of yours? All Christians are called to share the gospel, and, and all Christians uh, should at some point in time see someone converted and saved. That, that, that's what we hope for. And so we deploy all different strategies. Those with the gift of evangelism are like, they're open to any evangelistic strategy. They tend to be able to, they tend to be more comfortable with blurring some, some uh, uh, denominational lines than most people because they're just like, well, we just want to reach people. We just want to reach people. And so those with the gift of evangelism tend to share the, the gospel, not just frequently, but they tend to see converts. What they like, I like to call them bird dogs. They're like, uh, it's like when the, the, the bird is shot down, the, the dog goes and retrieves it. The, those with the gift of evangelism are like out there seeking the lost. They find them. They, 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 they preach the gospel. They save them, and they bring them back home to the church. Like that's what they do. Jesus had this gift, obviously. He was a friend of sinners, friend of tax collectors. Sometimes people called him, uh, they thought he was a drunkard, which he never overdrank, and he was a glutton because everyone around him was. Not because he, 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 he enjoyed the sins that they enjoyed, but because he enjoyed the people and went after the people. So he was falsely identified as one of them, though he was taking the good news of the kingdom to them. Do you have this gift of evangelism? Do you love non-Christians? Do you like telling other people about Jesus? Do you do it in a way that people understand the gospel? Are you quickly able to pick up on, on people's objections uh, to, to Christianity and give them clear understanding about the truth, the scriptures, and Jesus? Do you see people saved uh, when, when, you, when you share the gospel, gospel with them? Do you find yourself in conversations all of a sudden, you're like, I'm just going to tell them about Jesus, and they're like, whoa, no one ever told me that. And you're like, yeah, let me tell you more. Like, is that you? You might have the gift of evangelism. And if that's you, I would also encourage you to grow uh, by watching your doctrine as well. You must be, especially if you're around a lot of non-Christians, and you're like, man, I'm, I want to go reach non-Christians, that's great. Uh, but uh, you can be, tend to be conformed if you're not being formed by God's word. The, the scriptures teach us to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. We live transformed lives in the context of our everyday life, so watch your life and doctrine as well. I would say this, those who typically have the gift of evangelism often are prone to, to love to just go outside the church and not gather with the church. So I would encourage you to, to grow in your love for the local church. Jesus died for her. Uh, your gifts exist. Your, your gifts are the result. Uh, uh, of, uh, I mean, the, the church is the result of your giftedness. You preach the gospel, people get saved, churches get started. Love the local church. Seek to grow in the context of the local church. Love Jesus and his people. Get connected to the church. 
The people you uh, see come to Christ, if you're evangelists, connect them to the local church. They need discipleship. They need pastoring. They need care. I encourage you to do that if that's your gift as well. They're part of the team just as much as you're part of the team. We need one another in this mission. So uh, in closing, I'll say this. I'll say this. Not, we, we all have different gifts. All the gifts that we've talked about together, among all the gifts that we will talk about, they work together. But let's think about these gifts that we've talked about today. The gift of apostleship to start churches, to start new ministries, to start mission work. They, they, things get started by the apostles. The teachers come in and they teach the Bible to those who got converted, those who are part of the, the, the new church. There needs to be teaching. There needs to be doctrine. There needs to be oversight. There needs to be care to help people know God, love God, grow in his, his ways and in ways that make sense. And therefore, pastors and teachers need to come in and counsel, care, and lead, and love, and, and serve the people. But also, there's things that go on in the church that, that need help. We need help with uh, behind-the-scenes work. That's where gifts of help and service come in and love, help, serve, care for the organization so that uh, the pastors and teachers can continue to serve and work in the ministry. Uh, and additionally, in order to keep this whole thing from going under, there needs to be those with the gift of administration who come alongside, who have used their administration gifts to organize and administrate. Uh, it's the reality that we, we need those things. And so they work together, see this whole team working together. And then ultimately, more people need to know Jesus. And so if you have the gift of evangelism, you're probably, I can't wait to get out of here because I need to go tell more people about Jesus. Like you're a bird dog ready to you know, take the, the, the new Christian and bring him back. We work together. We're one team, one mission. We need every member. We need every member. Remember, you are valuable. And also, your ministry is our ministry. And what I mean by this is God's called you, wired you in a unique way. And so you do ministry. And, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it's the sum total. Our ministry is the sum total of your giftedness and your ministry. It really is. It really is. But sin corrupts your giftedness. So let me appeal to you. Sin will corrupt your giftedness. Sometimes we'll even disqualify you from using your gifts to serve the church. So guard your life, guard your heart, guard your doctrine. And, and this is why we beat the drum. We are here to follow Jesus, fight sin, and fulfill his mission. That's the drum we beat together collectively on one team. Jesus is who we follow. We fight sin because it keeps us from him and it, and it distorts our giftedness because we want to continue to fulfill his mission together. We follow Jesus together. We fight sin and community together. And we fulfill the mission of Jesus together as one church. So I'll end with this. The evangelists will be happy. Are you a Christian? If you're not, it's time to become one. Join. Join Team Jesus. He loves you. Do you know Jesus? Do you, do you trust Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? He has died in your place for your sins. He has resurrected from the dead. He is, seated, he is seated on the throne. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. And he loves you and he wants you to be in the family. That's the bottom line. Will you turn from your sin? Turn from, uh, that's the essence of repentance. Turning from, from who you worship and turning from your sin to worshiping Jesus. Will you turn to Jesus? Because Jesus is your great apostle. If, you, if some of you in here, you're, you're feeling the, like, man, I, wanna, I think I want to follow Jesus. Yeah, that's the apostle Jesus starting a new work in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to teach you and continue to teach you and will put his spirit in you to teach you his word continually. He will also put a spirit in you and make, who will be your helper to help guide you and lead you in his word, will, and ways for the rest of your life. Moreover, he will administrate. He will help you organize your life. He will help you figure out what his ways are and what the world's ways are and 
how to get on to his path and his ways and continue in that way until he returns. He is the great evangelist. The good news, evangelist is the good news of the person and work of Jesus. Jesus loves you. He wants you to be in his family. How will you respond? Will you receive him, his, his salvation, his life in exchange for yours? He can change you where you're at. And he will change you in a way that you want to tell others about him too. And you'll, you'll join the team. So if you're not a Christian today, we invite you to become one. And if you are a Christian, we invite you to respond uh, to worshiping Jesus, the partaking of communion. I'm going to pray for us, and Pastor Alex will come up and explain communion or the Lord's Supper to us.